Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand in hand with baking for those we love. Today, we'll see what happens when a donut and a muffin collide in one sweet treat. And since September has five Mondays, you know what that means. Today is a special bonus episode where we'll award a blue ribbon to the dessert we just can't stop eating or talking about. So put the kettle on and get ready for some sweet talk. Stefan, do you recall the orange marmalade cake we made back in episode 122? I will never forget the orange marmalade cake we made in episode (laughs) 122. That was one of our most elaborate, most extravagant showstopper cakes ever. Well, what you may not remember is my favorite part of the entire cake was the raw cake batter. Oh, yeah. It was good stuff. (laughs) It was really good. And so once I realized how much I loved that, I started thinking, you know, you never see recipes for a raw cake batter as a dessert. And I'm sure it's because of the raw eggs in it. But I thought, I'm just going to set up a little Google alert (laughs) for cake batter dessert and see if anything ever pops up. Oh, my gosh. My little Google alert was running in the background and nothing was happening. And I thought, well, you know, sure enough, this is just something that doesn't exist. And it's been running since episode 122? Uh, uh, yeah, about that time, I okay, think. Okay, so like April, like end of April. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. And then one day I was at the dentist. and of co- <laughs> Irony. Of <laughs> and of course, that's when I catch up on all my magazine reading. And there was a Seattle magazine, and it had one of those, you know, 10 desserts you must try in okay. Seattle. Right. And one of them was from a restaurant called Eden Hill, uh-huh. and it was called the Foie Gras Cake Batter. What? Yeah, that was my reaction. Foie gras is a savory, isn't it? Foie gras is a savory. And okay. so I thought, surely this is sort of a mock situation. You know, yeah. like maybe it looks like okay. foie gras. Oh, okay, visually. But it's, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, it was only a tiny little blurb. So I waited until I got home. Now, first of all, I realized my Google alert should have popped this up. I'm not sure why it didn't. Google alerts. <laughs> Because it is an actual thing. It is called the Lick the Bowl Foie Gras Cake Batter Dessert. It's on their menu. And in fact, it looks like they now have a small provisions store, and you can buy small servings of this to have at home. (laughs) Andrea, have you been there? I mean, (laughs) I still can't wrap my head around it, and that's why I wanted to bring it up here at the top of the show. I'm curious if you would even try it or if any of our listeners would. Here's the description. Okay. It's... A fluffy pate infused with sprinkles, vanilla, and liquor. It is the perfect combination of sweet and savory. Ooh, wait, say it again. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was distracted when you said liquor. (laughs) I thought maybe the sprinkles caught you. Yeah, a fluffy pate infused with sprinkles, vanilla, and liquor. Uh A perfect combination of sweet and savory. So pâté makes it sound like pâté pâté, not just like a cake pâté. So there is no mock going on here. (gasps) This is literal foie gras 
mixed with sprinkles, vanilla, and some sort of liquor. I'm not sure what, you know, a brandy or who knows. Right, because yeah. I have not yet tried it. I still can't even sort of bring myself to thinking about trying it. Yeah, that's going to be a hard one. I mean, I'm open to trying just about anything. Mm-hmm. But putting pate <laughs> mm-hmm. and sprinkles. Um, okay. Okay. I just wanted to test my own, you know, mental yeah, barometer yeah. and see if I was missing something here. Yeah. So I will put out the call to the preheaters. You guys are so great about helping me out. I am still looking for a cake batter dessert, preferably one that does not include foie gras. Andrea, you know, in a few episodes, we're going to be talking about our baking resolutions, and this sounds like it may rise to the top of the 2020 baking resolution. What do you Ooh, think? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yes. that could be my quest for 2020. So I don't think anyone's going to hold it against you if you don't try this particular one. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. good. <laughs> but, but maybe someone out there has, our Seattle area listeners. Maybe you've eaten this, and please, you know, we're dying to know. Yeah, I'm open to having my mind changed or at least to having my perspective broadened. So feel free to let me know if I'm missing something here that could be really good. Well, speaking of um, entirely sweet, but also a little savory now that I think of it, as we're wrapping up our new twist on Old Classics Month, Andrea, as you know, we cull through so many dozens of recipes to find the four or five that actually make the cut. And it's really hard sometimes to make those decisions One of them that didn't make the cut, but we were really intrigued with, was from BBC Good Food, and it is a lemon drop chili loaf cake, and we thought this would be a really nice twist on a classic lemon drizzle. Now, Andrea, the star ingredient here is something called a lemon drop chili. Have you heard of these? Do you know what these are? No. When you first sent me a link to this recipe, I got all excited because I read lemon drop chili loaf cake, and I thought... The lemon drop was referring to the alcoholic beverage, lemon drop. Yes. And so I thought, oh, it's going to be like a sweet sort of maybe involves some vodka and some lemon and then some sort of chili in a loaf cake. But I had never heard of a lemon drop chili. So what is that? Well, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) It is a citrus-like lemon-flavored pepper most popular in Peru. It's really pretty. It's kind of long in the way like a jalapeno pepper is long, Mm. but bigger than that. Now, it ranks hot on that Scoville scale, which measures heat of peppers. Yeah. But it's actually a substitute for habanero pepper. So this is a milder pepper than habanero, but still really, really hot and spicy. Have you seen these in your stores? Have you been able to get them? I haven't, although I would say in general, the Brits are kind of nuts for chilies or peppers and Mm -hmm. have a lot Mm -hmm. more variety. So if I went out and looked, it's very possible that they're kind of there right in broad daylight in front of me. They're really pretty. They are bright yellow. They kind of look like a lemon, like an oblong lemon. And what Mm. you do in this recipe then is make a fairly standard buttermilk-based cake Then you have some lemon curd, and then you make a chili caramel. So you are putting those chilies into a caramel with some frosting on top. So I will put the link in the show notes for this episode, which is the bonus episode 144, in case anyone is interested. And, you know, if you did want to use habaneros, maybe you could just dial back a little bit on the heat there. Or maybe you like it really spicy and want to use them all. What a great idea. We only have about a three-week window in Olympia where I can get a really wide variety of different peppers. And back toward the end of August, beginning of September, 
our farmer's market will put out this one display where they have, I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 peppers, and a lot of them are varieties you don't see any other time of year. Yeah. Uh, The one this year that grabbed me was called the apple pepper, and I believe so-called because it looks like an apple. It's this little green, round pepper. Huh. I was there looking for the lemon drop chili, and I asked the owner of the pepper stand, and he wasn't familiar with that particular one. So I think I'll definitely have to do a substitute. But I just like the idea of, well, first of all, the words chili caramel. That sounds really good to me. Right. So I think any pepper, and probably it's safer for me anyway to start out with one that's a little bit less spicy. And, you know, you can always make it another time with one that's spicier. And also because you're adding it to the caramel, it seems like maybe you could add a little bit taste mm-hmm. it, add a little bit yeah. more. You wouldn't have to put them all in at once and be done with it. You could you could kind of taste it as you went. But yeah, so that'll be in the in the show notes if anyone's interested in giving that one a try. Stefan, I can't wait to hear what you thought about this week's Bake Along. We are reviewing the cinnamon sugar donut muffins from food blogger Amanda over at The Girl Who Bakes. What did you think about this recipe? How did it turn out for you? Andrea, I think the burning question that must be addressed before we get too far into this review, is this one of those hybrid desserts that we should now call a duffin? A monut? (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing the way that those two words sound is exactly why they just continue to call them donut muffins. (laughs) I agree. I was just having so much fun coming up. You see those kind of hybrid crazy desserts out there, and they always have their funny name. And the cronut was the one that immediately came to my mind, right? So um, donut muffins, I think we can just safely stick with both of those words. Mm -hmm. I think so, too. As I mentioned in last episode when we introduced this, years ago I had made a donut muffin, and the thing that kept me from making it more often was it was just so heavy. It had maybe like two sticks of butter, then you're also Mm. rolling the finished product in the butter and topping it with the cinnamon sugar. It was just really, really heavy, much the way a very heavy cake donut would be also. Yeah. So I was really excited to see this lightened up version. It uses some applesauce. It uses very little oil, actually. And then mm-hmm. just some basic muffiny ingredients there. All-purpose flour, baking powder and salt, some really nice fall spices, including um, nutmeg and cinnamon, your unsweetened applesauce, veggie oil, only a tablespoon, granulated mm-hmm. sugar, an egg and milk, and then you have a cinnamon sugar topping. So, Mm -hmm. Andrea, I know last episode you were saying that you've kind of been coming around to cinnamon. So did you use cinnamon? Did you substitute something else here? No, I did. I used cinnamon in both the batter and for the topping, and I thought it was just perfect with this. So I think you could also feel free to use like a pumpkin pie spice or an apple pie spice, both of which I'm sure are going to contain cinnamon as well. But I thought it tasted really good. Yeah, I think I'm coming around. It's just such a momentous day. (laughs) (laughs) After three years, I'm finally coming around on cinnamon. It is pretty exciting. We'll watch for the all cinnamon month coming up, no doubt, in 2020. Oh my gosh, yeah, I'm not there yet. Okay, Okay. Well, Andrea, I thought these were really delicious. They had great fall flavors. We've just referenced most of them. The apple, the cinnamon, the nutmeg. I used a prepared applesauce, and it says to strain it. Now, my sauce was so thick that literally nothing came out when I strained it. How did yours go? Yeah, I used an applesauce that I had made from the apples you gave me from your tree. Yay! And as I spooned it into the sieve, I mean, it's only a third a cup in the first place. 
I remember thinking to myself, you know, even if this does drain, I mean, how much is going to come out? And it, it was just a few drops. So, okay. I think you could probably safely skip that step of the straining. Or just eyeball it. Yeah, I think you're going to mm-hmm. be able to tell based on the on the texture. Yeah. So I don't think that was necessary. So then you're just combining your dry ingredients in a bowl, then your wet ingredients in the other, putting them together. That sounds like a fairly standard muffin. You bake them like a very standard muffin as well. So Andrea, I had kind of a funny thing happen when I baked these. Oh, okay. Tell me about it. They all sloped to one side. They all looked like they were wearing a little Santa hat. You have that fan oven. Did you have your fan on? Because that's one of the criticisms of the fan oven or the convection oven is that the fan can blow a delicate batter in one direction or the other. Yeah, that must have been what it is. I can't figure out anything else, but I've never had that happen before. I didn't think I mounted them, you know, too much over the top of the muffin tin either. No, mine definitely weren't over the top. I went with the dozen standard size muffins, and I thought they filled each muffin tin nicely, but they weren't overflowing by any means. No, I and it didn't bother me really. I just looked at them and thought, oh, look at that. <laughs> well, maybe you could put a little hat you on could. them and be sort of cute. <laughs> a little icing. And speaking of sizes, Andrea, I made five regular, and I couldn't help myself. I made three jumbos. I have my jumbo muffin tin. I thought, Mm -hmm. I just really thought I was going to like the finished product here and that a big one might taste really great. So I got three of those. I did cook those for a little bit longer. I cooked my regular ones for 15 and my jumbos for 25. And I don't have a jumbo muffin tin, but I remember thinking to myself that it would be fun to do these in a jumbo to see if they sort of puffed up a bit more like a donut. Did that, did you notice that happen? Was the texture different in the jumbo just in that they had more room to expand or was it, did they all taste the same? That's a good question. I think they were the same. I think the bigger one just seemed more donutty to me. Maybe just the size, you know, because Mm -hmm. the little, the little standard muffin is smaller than a donut would be. Right. Yeah. It's more of a donut, donut hole. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. texture wise, I will say I thought that I pulled them when they were a little underbaked and I liked that. I don't know how your texture was straight out of the oven. Yeah, my texture was great. And I set my timer at 15 minutes. I did the crumb test and they were done then. So I, I just went with that. Yeah. Awesome. So then you come to an interesting part of this recipe. (laughs) While they are hot, you dip them into the butter, then the sugar mixture and then let them dry on the wire rack. That was really hard for me to do. They were really hot. How did that go for you? You know, I held on to them via the liner. Yeah. Getting them out of the pan was a little tricky because the pan was still pretty hot. But I felt like holding on to it through the liner. I didn't notice myself kind of burning or anything (laughs) like that. I felt like I was playing hot potato. Yeah, it was. It was like I have written here like caution. It's a hot. And and I'm not sure... (laughs) (laughs) After I've like burned my fingers and I've done all of my muffins, I'm like, was it truly crucial that I did it while they were hot? And honestly, folks, I'm not sure it was. You're putting them into melted butter. So does it matter that it's hot? What do you think? You know, now that I'm rereading step seven and it says, take the donuts out of the oven, let rest for one to two minutes. While still hot, shake out of the muffin tins, dip in the butter, then the sugar. I'm thinking that I don't think I let it rest one to two minutes. I'm guessing I was more like five because I didn't melt the butter while they were still in the oven. I waited until they were done. And you had no problem with like adherence or letting that butter coat the top, anything like that. So I think just Mm -mm. as far as like a safety precaution on these goes. Just let them cool a little more. Let it cool a little bit. All right. Okay. So let's get down to the taste, Andrea. 
These were really, really great. I couldn't wait. I had one of my jumbos hot, fresh, out of the oven, hot donuts. So good. (laughs) So good. And you know, I I don't know that I thought I was eating a donut, but they were definitely reminiscent of a donut. And I really, really liked them. How was the taste? How did it work for you? Yeah, these got mixed reviews in my house. And the taste was one thing, but also I want to point out the appearance. When I pulled mine out at 15 minutes and they were done by the crumb test, they were very pale color. And I looked at my notes I wrote on the recipe and I wrote very blah looking. (laughs) Yeah. You know, then you dip it in the butter and you have the cinnamon sugar. And of course, a little bit of that brown from the cinnamon adds some color. But I don't know, visually, they just didn't get me super excited. I ate one and I wrote my review as okay. Clearly, I wasn't over the moon about it. I then left the house. So I had made a dozen. There were 11 remaining. I went and ran some errands or did who knows what. I came home. Oh, by the way, I planned on bringing these to the teacher appreciation breakfast the next morning. All right. So they had a place to go. They had a place to go. However, I did not, you know, leave a note or communicate with any of my family. Oh, see where this is going. (laughs) Yeah. So I came home and I had five left. My husband and my daughter ate six of them while I was gone, and they raved about them. Yeah, my family really liked these the first day, too. And that's my biggest endorsement and also my biggest warning. Mm. So the first day, especially hot and fresh, everyone really, really liked these. But on the second day, Andrea, mine had already started to turn really tough, and they tasted stale. Oh. Already, after just one day. Now, is that down to the fact that they're kind of a lower fat? Maybe they didn't have that fat to keep them moist and tender. Maybe so. But so I can recommend this recipe if you're going to eat them right away. I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't keep them. This is for, you know, whipping up for breakfast or a brunch mm-hmm. right away and eating them hot. But they're not, they're not keepers. Yeah, I'd go with you on that as well. Uh, one thing I made sure to do when I stored those overnight, I did put them in sort of a little cardboard container for carrying, but I didn't close the lid because I remembered how our pumpkin donuts last fall got a bit clammy when I sealed the container. Yes. And so I didn't eat one the next day. So unfortunately, I can't comment on the texture the next day. They did disappear from the teacher luncheon, but, you know, who knows how much people really enjoy them. They might have just grabbed one and taken a bite and been kind of like, oh, this this is okay. Or Yeah, yeah, you know, right, yeah. right. I, I didn't hear any raves, so I can't speak one way or another on how it was on day two. But on day one, my husband, my daughter, two thumbs up. They five stars. I mean, any superlative you can add <laughs> to the review, they would give it. And I was more kind of in the middle, which yeah. might, might go back to, again, I'm not a huge donut person. I know. I don't understand how we can keep talking. But, I know. You know. <laughs> I know. It's a it's a failing of mine. Perhaps you know, you're, like cinnamon, I will come around. Just going to say, you're coming around on that cinnamon. Maybe donuts are next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably so. Well, remember, we'll have a link to that recipe, which is the cinnamon sugar donut muffin from The Girl Who Bakes, in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 144, on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as in our Facebook listeners group. Stefan, this is the fifth Monday in September, and you know what that means. Blue ribbon! We are going to pick our favorite from the month of September, our new twist on old classics. We started out with episode 141, the Cocoa Swirled Banana Bread from Challenge Dairy. Then in episode 142, we had the Peanut Butter and Jelly Poke Cake from Blogger Jess at Sweetest Menu. 
Episode 143 was the interesting pineapple coconut curry loaf from Bake From Scratch. And you just heard us review the cinnamon sugar donut muffins, episode 144, from food blogger Amanda at The Girl Who Bakes. So, Andrea, where will your blue ribbon be going this September? No surprise to anyone who listened to all of our episodes in September. I absolutely love that peanut butter and jelly poke cake from Jess over at the Sweetest Menu. I made it for my husband's birthday. Everyone in my family liked it. It was easy to make. I had all of the ingredients. I gave it away to a friend of my daughter's parents, and they loved it as well, and asked for the recipe. I mean, it just hit all of my boxes and a checklist of what a cake should be. It was pretty. It was easy. It was delicious. And I also have it on my list to reattempt it with some cookie butter, which I think was your suggestion. So I think it's going to be a very adaptable recipe as well. Well, Andrea, this September, we have a dual blue ribbon because I'm (gasps) also going with the peanut butter and jelly poke cake. The wonder from down under. Yeah, that's rare. We don't usually have the same blue ribbon. So that is really a sign that this is a great recipe, I think. So true. I'm with you. You've just kind of listed all of the reasons that I also loved this cake. It was easy and simple enough, but it was also special enough to do for a birthday, as you said. It hit my definition just of a cold snacking cake, which you guys know I love. The flavors were all there. It was different. It was special. My family loved it. It kept well. Mm -hmm. Loved this cake. Dual blue ribbon. Congratulations, Jess. We loved your recipe. And I think we should keep an eye on Sweetest Menu for the future. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about her. Especially, I think, is she Australian? She is Australian, yes. She is Australian. And so what I liked when I was reading the head notes in her recipe is, you know, she's taking American foods that we're familiar with, like peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and then making something out of it because that wasn't something that she grew up with and wasn't familiar with. So that's super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Loved that. Really big blue ribbon from me. Well, the timer's buzzed and we've got to get the icing onto this episode. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and next week we're jumping into October with some Simply Savory Bakes that may make you forget all about sugar. Well, at least until November. Listeners, if you'd like to get an email and a link to the full show notes every week when our episode is released, subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, preheatedpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at Preheated Pod. If you like our show, please do tell a friend and subscribe. And then consider ranking and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download our show. Until next time, I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, hosted, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.
So Andrea, I took the most hysterical phone call right before we started recording. What was it? It was my friend Fatima and she was breathless and she said, Stefan, I think you know why I'm calling you. And I said, no, I have no idea what's going on. She said, I'm having a caramel emergency. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, the best kind of emergency. Were you able to help her? I hope so. We'll have to see. I was going right into recording, so I like gave her my best tips, and I was like, Godspeed, and if it doesn't work, just go get a can at Waitrose. <laughs> well, you know, my lifelong dream is to work the hotline at the King Arthur Flower, the Baker's Hotline, so I like that we've sort of created our own. You've got your own little hotline going there. Well One done. One day. 1-800-Preheated. <laughs> 